0: Well, tonight is our W night as we think about uh, our time to plow as we worship the Lord. And um, Brother Dale is going to be taking these particular things and planning the things that go on. But I'm horning in tonight because time is short for me. In terms of uh, what I've got to get done and what I want to get done, and I'm going to do what the Lord put on my heart before I knew I was having surgery. So I want to take a few minutes and we're going to blaze through this. If you've got the uh, handout tonight, then uh, be ready to just kind of go along and look at that and think about some things. Last week we talked about why we don't witness, kind of convicting. This week is going to be a little bit more practical. Now, a lot of you have been trained in EE e. and faith and Romans Road and different things like that. So use those things. Do whatever you're comfortable with. But I um, just want to give you some exhortations on all of this because I thought about God taking sinners like me, like us, and telling us that we're ambassadors for Christ. Man, what an honor. What an honor. Witnessing is not a chore or an afterthought. It is an honor to carry the message of God to people who are lost and dying, bound for hell, and to see God do a work in that, to plant seeds for Jesus is an honor. To carry water, to water those seeds for Jesus is an honor. And if we ever get to be involved in the harvest, what an honor it is that God would allow us to do that. And the reason that we are still on earth is really to witness, to make disciples. Everything else we do here on earth, we could do in heaven. So, you know, if the Lord wanted to, he could just save us and then kill us and take us to heaven. And then we would worship and we would fellowship and we would all of these. Man, it would be absolutely wonderful, except there's an unfinished task that we're commanded to do, and that is to make disciples. And you cannot make a disciple until you lead somebody to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of where we are with all of this. And so um, if you'll look at your paper there, there's some blanks where you can fill in, and this will be the first one. And that is that this is the expectation for all Christians. This is not for some or some who are gifted or some who have a lot of money or influence or famous athletes or anything like that. It's for every Christian to witness however we can. And this is uh, based on several scriptures. I'll read John 15, 26 and 27. Listen to Jesus. But when the helper comes, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's his job. Now look what happens right after that. And you also... Will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so Jesus is saying, This is the plan, disciples. Don't get all depressed. I'm sending the Spirit, and He's going to do something in you that will enable you to do something in the world. And that hasn't quit. We received the Holy Spirit. He bears witness of Christ, and we bear witness of Christ. And of course, we're familiar with Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and twenty, and the command, the imperative, go into all the world and make disciples. And some uh, different gospel writers, some say preach the gospel. That's not talking about a formal service with a preacher preaching the gospel. The word preach there is used is all of us being a proclaimer of the gospel, like the old town criers in ancient times that would say, hear ye, hear ye, and they would give an edict from the king. That's all of our jobs. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he tells the disciples, go wait for me in Jerusalem. But then he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And then he tells them where. And that is certainly true for all of us. This is a normal expectation, a command that all of us are going to be doing that. And if we did, can you imagine? I sure appreciate you being here tonight. And can you imagine if everybody in the room tonight had the privilege of leading one person to faith in Christ this next year. What would this crowd look like in a year? What would our church look like in a year? And so uh, this is something that we are called to do, okay? Number two, what exactly is a witness? Just in case, you know, you're not uh, exactly sure, there are different ideas and, and a lot of screwball people out there, let's just kind of nail it down. And this a witness is a person communicating ...what they have experienced firsthand. A person communicating what they have experienced firsthand. Okay? Now, let's say that there is a very high-profile murder trial going on in Virginia. Okay? Which there may be. Who knows? Would they call me to be a witness of that in Oklahoma? Uh, I doubt it. Why? Because I haven't experienced that firsthand. However... There could be something that happens here in Oklahoma City or more, and I happen to see it, and they might subpoena me, and what are they going to want me to tell? Do they want me to be an expert witness from a doctor's, a physician's standpoint? No, wouldn't qualify. Would they want me to give a scientific explanation for something that happened? No, I'm not qualified. All they're going to to do is to say something like this. Tell us what you saw. Tell us what you heard. Tell us how you felt while this was all going on. And that's pretty standard stuff. Sounds a lot like 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which we heard from the beginning... Uh, pardon me. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard... I got ahead of myself. Heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we looked upon and have touched... With our hands. See that? It's what we've heard, what we've seen, or what we felt, or whatever order I have it in on that paper. And so, everybody who has been saved, there's been something that you heard. You heard the gospel and the good news of Christ. You have seen what uh, Christ can do in the lives of other people, and you've watched that, and it impacted you. And then you have felt the presence of the Lord. I remember when I was saved that uh, uh, when I was 22 is the first time I really dealt with sin. And brother, I felt the weight of sin. And I remember when I confessed Jesus as Lord and asked Him to forgive me, I felt the release of that sin. Now, it's not all based upon feeling, but when I'm sharing what happened to me, I can tell you about what I've seen, what I've heard, and what I felt it doesn't have to be some big memorized scripted presentation in fact it may be better if it's not not saying those things are totally bad or useless but sometimes they come across as kinda scripted and like the person we're talking to is a project that we're looking at and really we don't want to do that that's not the uh, main thing number three think about this Whatever you do out there, sometimes you feel so alone and so vulnerable. Well, I'm going to encourage you, you're not alone. You've got a church family that loves you. You've got a church family that is praying with you. And uh, as we've been talking about prayer on Sunday mornings, I would encourage you to share prayer requests that have more to do with the spiritual than simply the physical. Now, don't leave out the physical. That's fine. But so many times we say, what are your prayer requests? And we either get crickets or we get, a, you know, my aunt's dog's brother's cousin's sister is having going to be spayed tomorrow, and I sure wish you'd pray for that. And it's that kind of thing. Well, what we need to do is start thinking about, like Paul did, what is the real need that people have, that only God can meet. And certainly for the lost, that is salvation. So you're not alone. And uh, when you think about it, how can the church help or hinder? Well, the church can pray and we can support. It, It might even be that we, you know, send you out as a team. You say, I want somebody to go with me. I feel burdened to go visit this person. And we may find somebody to go with you. And I would encourage you to team up on everything that you do. But also, how can the church hinder you? I was um, working, I've told you this before, at a grocery warehouse. And some people asked me, how did you get this job? And I said, well, I know Jim, the manager. And they said, how do you know Jim? And I said, I go to church with him. And they, what kind of church do you go to? And it was at that point I knew that Jim was not a very good testimony for Christ or for the church And uh, that was kind of a shocking thing. I didn't really know exactly how to answer that. But then I became a pastor later on. And uh, when I was at First Baptist Church of Chelsea, uh, that's the church where the first day there, while they're moving in our furniture, uh, the chairman of the pulpit committee pulls me aside and uh, starts telling me about some of the problems and things that were going on. And I'm thinking like, load the truck back up. I'm out of here and um, the first Sunday I was there they had a fellowship for us that night we're in the fellowship hall and a deacon comes up to me and he says well you did a pretty good job today and I I think that's a compliment and uh, he said uh, he said but I was sure hoping you wouldn't come and I looked at him and said welcome to Chelsea huh and he goes oh don't get me wrong I like you and I said well I hope so you were on the pulpit committee and I told you I wouldn't come unless you were unanimous Why didn't you say something then he goes nothing against you he said my son's a pastor and i wouldn't wish this church on anybody that was in the ministry i was hoping you would turn us down for your sake boy that's a that'll build your faith and fill you with optimism won't it well i started knocking on doors around town and visiting people and on a Wednesday night, I came back and I said, "I resign from visiting. I'm not doing it anymore." And they all kind of looked at me. And I said, "Everywhere I go, I hear negative stuff about the church and about you, people that I love. We've got a problem, and I'm not going to visit and invite anybody anymore until we have something to invite them to." And uh, that was a thing where everywhere I would go, literally, they would say, "Well, I used to be a Baptist." But I'll never set foot in that church again. And then they would tell me why. I was at a hospital visit one time. Visiting a member and in the bed next door was a church member's mama. And she was a charismatic, I guess you would say, pastor. And I thought, eh, I might ought to say hi to her. So I went over there and she looked at me up and down. She goes, so you're the new preacher at First Baptist. And I said, yes, ma'am, I I am. Maxine, I, I surely am. And she said, well... You know what it's like to preach to the Valley of Dry Bones, don't you? And that was the reputation. And so I resigned from that and said, we got to work on having something to invite them to. And by the grace of God, we got to be known as a church of prayer where people would call us from all around town and say, I heard your church praise. Would you pray for, and they would give us things to pray for. We got calls from California to little old Chelsea, Oklahoma, asking us to pray for them. And God began to change the fellowship of the church. And coincidentally, when the church reputation changed, all of a sudden we started seeing 40, 50 people baptized each year. And it was an amazing thing. Same thing happened at Tuttle. We baptized Nearly 110 people one year. And led the association in baptisms. And it wasn't through gimmicks or anything like that. The people of God started being the people of God. And being witnesses. And things started happening. And I've got every confidence. That that's what is going to happen here. That's what my prayer is. And so we need to be. Have a good testimony. And it needs to be pure. And we don't need to be the kind of thing that hinders. So that when somebody does step out. They go oh. Oh, that's the church you go to? Well, let me tell you about... I heard John MacArthur talking about that. Someone came to him and said at his church that a guy was witnessing to a lawyer. And the lawyer said, well, what church do you go to? And he said, I go to Dr. MacArthur's church, Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. And the guy says, the most crooked attorney I ever, I've ever met goes to that church. Boy, that'll shut it down in a hurry. And the same thing can happen here and happen with us. And that's why what I said this morning falls in line with this. We've got to be holy people and live for the Lord. Okay, number four. When we are witnessing, sometimes we come across snotty and arrogant and like I know something you don't know. And if you were as smart as I would, we don't want to do that. In fact, we want to follow what First Peter 2, 15 through 17 says. We want to give honor. It's not only an honor to witness, we're honored, but we want to give honor to our Lord as we do it and and represent Him well, right? And we also want to honor those people that we're talking to. They're not just projects. They're not just slime that we have something that could help them out and make something out of their lives. No, they're people made in the image of God, broken and marred, but it still is the what theologians call the Imago Dei, and we ought to treat them with respect because the Bible says, 1 Peter 2, for this is the will of God, if you were wanting to know what that is, we're going to tell you, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil but living as servants of God, honor everyone. That means what it says. The Greek word for everyone is everyone, okay? And uh, love the brotherhood, that's a given, right? Fear God and honor the emperor. And the emperor at that time, Peter wrote that was Nero, the guy who was taking Christians, putting them on stakes, And lighting them on fire to light the gardens in Rome. That's the same guy that, you know, you've heard Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Nero blamed Christians for the burning of Rome when he's the one who actually did it. He wanted to rebuild Rome the way he wanted it. He knew he'd never get away with that, so he blamed the Christians. And yet Peter says, give him honor. Well, honor everyone covers all of that. And so when we think about people, we don't want to be rude. We don't want to be demeaning. We don't want to put them down. We don't want to yell at them. We don't want to, you know, do anything like that. We want to be as winsome as possible, and we want to actually give them honor and let them know it's a privilege for us to represent our Lord with them. Number five, be personal and vulnerable. Uh, sometimes we try to be self-protective and we say, oh, nobody would want to hear about this. Yeah, probably they would. There are some of your stories that I would love to hear. And you go, oh, everybody knows that. I, I got a feeling there's some of you, I don't really know your story. And even if you've shared it before, there are new people in the church who haven't heard it and they don't really know it. Don't, don't be hesitant to share. But with a lost person, if you can make it personal, if you can relate to them somehow. Uh, somebody told me one time that uh, you can tell them, man, I know how you feel. I felt that way myself. And here's what I did about it. Great segue into things. They say, oh, I'm, I'm lonely or I'm in pain or I've got family problems. Or, Hey, man, I know how you feel. I've, I have felt that way myself. Let me tell you what I found out. Let me tell you what I did about that. Great segue into sharing the gospel. If you can do it Honestly if you can do it honestly. I wouldn't do that personally if I'm talking to a chemotherapy patient. Oh, I know how you feel, because I don't. And I I wouldn't do that. But if I talk to somebody with maybe a heart condition, well, yeah, doors wide open, right? Or something like that. Um, So be personal and be vulnerable in that. And so give your testimony. And I like to take things and say... uh, something like this you know well, well have you ever thought about spiritual things we may be talking about the weather have you ever thought about is God real and does he control all of this you know and let me say I don't know I'm not really sure about that well can I share with you how I came to know the God of the universe or how I came to know that I have eternal life and if I put it on me instead of coming across like can I, the smart guy, tell you, the dumb guy, what you ought to do about your salvation? We don't want to do that. That's kind of off-putting. And um, But if I put it on me, I found out that most of the time, not 100%, but most of the time, they'll go, yeah, tell me about it if it's not going to take too long. And uh, So condense your story and put it in there. But as you're sharing your testimony um, and you talk about what Christ has done in your life don't be afraid to use scripture faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and so we uh, know that God has a whole lot more to say than we do so sometimes you can use that in and weave some scripture, some gospel scripture into your testimony. I came to realize that what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And I found out that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, you can, you know, put that in there or John three sixteen, or any number of things that you do. Okay, let's move on. And uh, let's go down to uh, number six and write down the word remember, okay? This is something you might want to remember, and maybe we could put the word rehearse in here. Um, what, one of the things that you'll find out as you witness to people is they don't really think their sin is that bad. Now, everybody will kind of admit, uh, you know, I'm not perfect, and I do some things I probably shouldn't do, and that kind of stuff. My pencil needs an eraser. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't that funny? Uh, Not when you're talking about going to hell for eternity. It's not funny. And when you talk about this, remember, they don't think about their sin being that bad. So, give them the law. Give them the law to expose uh, sin. And... Point out the fact that they've broken that law. And maybe you could go on um, YouTube and watch some Way of the Master or um, Todd Friel, F-R-I-E-L, has things on there where he witnesses to different people. And you can listen and kind of pick up on what they do. Have you ever told a lie? You know, well, (laughs) yeah, I've told a lie. Well, what do we call someone that tells a lie? Then they get a little bit serious. Well, a, a liar. Okay. Have you uh, ever stolen anything, regardless of its value? Well, not much. Well, what do we call someone that steals? Well, a thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Well, Well, yeah. So what does that make you, a blasphemer? And you can take that kind of thing and say, so if you stood before a heavenly court right now before God and He judged you just on those commandments... There are actually ten of them, but I've given you about three. Would you be innocent or would you be guilty? I mean, you can work on those kind of things to where they say, well, I guess I would be guilty. I guess I'd be guilty. Well, can I tell you some good news about what God has done for you? And then you share the gospel with them and something like that. One of the things that I've noticed if I've listened to people share their testimonies and talk about what Christ has done for them, you would be amazed at how many of them never speak of Jesus. And they never speak of the cross. They never speak of the resurrection. So don't leave out the cross and the resurrection. In fact, I've even seen gospel tracts that don't even mention the resurrection. According to Romans 10, 9, that's pretty important if we want to see people saved. Don't leave the cross and resurrection out of your presentation. And it really boils down to this one thing, okay? Please do not say, well, you need to just stop and ask Jesus into your heart. You don't have any scripture for that. And the one that you probably are thinking of is out of context and was written to a church, not a bunch of lost people. What you need to bring them to is this, repentance from their sins, the R word, and faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in the gospel. Faith in what he has done uh, for us. And without that, a person can't be saved. And be sure and proclaim the lordship of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. It's about lordship. You don't just get saved and go skipping along your merry way. It's about surrender to him as king and as lord. And uh, again, that's Romans 10, 9. And uh, then um, use Scripture, use Scripture, and warn them. Sometimes we forget to tell them about hell. We forget to tell them what the penalty for sin is. The wages of sin is death. Well, what's in the afterlife? Well, for the saved person, it's heaven. For the person who doesn't repent and believe the gospel, it's hell. And you don't have to make a huge, huge, huge deal about that, but just don't fail to warn them that's what they need to know. And they need to have that on their conscience and think about it. And then uh, depend upon the Holy Spirit. And I say that simply to tell you, this is not about you being a good salesman. This is not about you being persuasive. This is not about you closing the deal. You don't close the deal. That's the work of the Spirit of God. And a weak witness is better than no witness. And sometimes you might, there are a bunch of tracks down here that uh, you might want to take there. They're business card size. You can put them in your wallet, and you can leave them at a restaurant when you get your meal. Leave them with your payment and your tip. Um, you can hand them out. And you know what I've found that you can do with these things? Is walk up to a complete stranger and just say this. Did you get one of these? And they go, no. Here, and then run. Okay? Uh, if that gets you started, I'm good with that. Okay. Give it to the McDonald's drive-thru person. Read this on your break and hit the gas and peel out and go out of there. But just get started. Just get started and be intentional about all of this. It's the Spirit's work to bring people to Christ. And then the other thing that I would just say, and we're going to do this right now, is pray. Because Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 2, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful. Hey, folks, it's no harder to lead somebody to Christ right now than it's ever been. Don't, don't say, these are the hardest times. To... No, no, they're not. They're, they're not. They've been harder times, in fact. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I'm asking you tonight to sign up before the Lord to be one of the laborers. It's his choice where he sends you and how he makes it available. And he says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest... To send out laborers into the harvest. And that's where the problem is. It's not the gospel. It is the laborers. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And then we're going into the rest of the service. Because you're going to hear a witness encounter tonight from the scripture. And we're going to read and sing in the last part of this service. And worship the Lord. Because witnessing really is worship. So Eric, if you'll get ready to come on up here now. And we're going to have some different readers, and uh, we'll do that. Let's pray. Father, as we think about this, we're reporting for duty. Give us opportunities to witness. Send us into the harvest fields, wherever they may be. May we do it for your glory, and may we do it with a clear presentation of the gospel. May we understand it and proclaim it to others. May we do it well, and may we do it because that's what you've commanded us to do. And save many people through this. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen.